It is too late when the wind of hell's hammer strikes your life, your family, when the circumstances go completely wrong, when all the props are knocked out, when the storms of wind and the waves pound into your life, your ministry, your finances, your marriage, your kids, it's too late to say, I need to lay a foundation. We began this series a month ago with Jesus talking about the wise man that built his house upon the rock and the foolish man didn't. And the storms came and burst against the house and great was its collapse. It, all I can say is praise the Lord that Ashley had already laid a foundation in her life of Jesus and the word of God before the storm came in. So grateful that she was a part of the core here and that her small group and her church rallied around her when her husband decided, hey, I'm bored with this. I'm going to go do something else. It wasn't what she expected. It was not it was the death of a dream. It was difficult. And you sort of saw the G version in the video. We walked through with Ashley through the valley of the shadow of death. Uh, it, was, it was catastrophic in her life. I mean, there were times when she didn't think that she could take another step. But when you've laid a foundation, when you put all your trust in God and the winds blow and the storms come, he is going to carry you through the storm. Does that make sense? And so we're all fixer-uppers, right? Ashley found herself in a new place. I've got to fix this up. I've got to, God's got to remake. God's got to re-give me dreams. So this message is critical for you today, for your tomorrow, and for your forever. This weekend is going to be one of the greatest opportunities for you to begin to excel in your spiritual growth and your development if you choose to. And we picked the word opportunity for a reason, because it is an opportunity for you to grow if you choose. Because personal growth or discipleship, it's a DIY project. You know what DIY means? Do it yourself. And with, no matter which campus you're at, you can be at Campbell or Anderson or North or Blunt or Pellissippi or the Internet campus or one of our God Behind Bars campuses. No matter where you're listening to this message, we are all fixer-uppers. No matter what campus you're at, Faith Promise is sort of like Home Depot. You can go to Bledsoe or you can go to Morgan County Prison. You can go to any of our campuses, and you're going to find the same thing. You can go to Home Depots all across America. You can find the same thing, Right? building material to build your life. But the people at Home Depot don't go home with you when you load your truck up with material and build your project. They give you some ideas, they help you, and then you go and you do it. And that's what we are. It's the Home Depot slogan, which is this. You can do it and we can help. We can do it for you. As a matter of fact, there, there, there is a biblical principle that you got to realize that you are accountable for your walk with Jesus. Y'all believe that? All of us will stand at the bema seat of judgment and give an account to the Lord for how we live this life, for what we did with what God gave us. Does that make sense? Now, some of you are going to think you're going to stand before the bema, and the Lord's going to say, hey, here were all the gifts I gave you. Why didn't you use those? Here's the potential I place in you. Why didn't you achieve that? And you're going to say, well, because I went to Faith Promise and Pastor Chris was terrible. <laughs> and God's going to say, oh, I didn't realize. Come on in. You're, no, no problem. Is that what God's going to say? No, you're accountable for your spiritual growth. We want to help you. 
we want to help you, you know, equip you and encourage you to be all that God has called you and placing you to be. I pray every day that you'll have a hundredfold harvest in your life like, like Isaac. I pray every day that you'll be a 10-talent servant where God gave five, and he came back and said, you gave me five, here's five more. I doubled what you gave me. I pray every day. But see, it doesn't happen as an event. It's a brick-by-brick, verse-by-verse process that we all go through growing every single day, right? Does that make sense? So the Scripture says in 2 Timothy, all Scripture, how much of Scripture? Is inspired, which means to be God-breathed is inspired by God and is profitable. The word of God is profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness, that the man, the woman of God may be what? Equipped for every good work. One of the reasons that about 80% of the people that attend here do not serve here on a consistent basis is they do not feel like they are equipped, like they are adequate. And the reason is because you rarely crack open your what? Bible. So I, don't, I just don't know, Pastor. I, I can't. And, and that when you get to, get to heaven and God says, hey, why weren't you serving? You say, well, I just didn't know the word enough. Come on. Come on. Let's, let's get in the word of God. It's the reason that we share scripture. We don't teach from other books. We teach from scripture every single weekend. And one of my greatest privileges and honor as your pastor is to teach you the word of God every weekend. And see, we're all fixer-upper projects, aren't we? And we need the Word of God, don't we? So, again, you go to Home Depot, you buy the products, and you get the tools. And and so that's what we want to be for you. We want to give you training and tools and tips to do the job. Now, have you ever started a project, couldn't get it done, and then called a professional? And they rolled in there and knocked it out, and you said, how in the world did you do that? I've been working for three months. They had the right training, they had the right tools, and they had the right tips. When I was in construction, I kept buying tools. Michelle said, would you ever stop buying tools? No. you got to have the right tools to do the right job. And so we want to help add some tools to your spiritual toolbox this weekend. And what we want to add is a personal growth plan. And, and, and you say, you know, I, I tried that spiritual growth plan. I don't really like it, Pastor. I got that. What's your plan? Well, I like mine better. Amen? Now, when you find a better way to grow, please come tell me because I'm going to teach that way. We're going to give that tool because we want to give all the best trainings, all the best tips, and the tools to help us grow. Second Timothy, <clears throat> Paul says, you therefore, my son, be what? Be strong. You're not going to be strong if you live at Krispy Kreme and never hit the gym. Now, life may be fun, but you are never going to grow. If you're going to grow strong, you've got to discipline yourself. Be strong in the grace that's in Christ Jesus. The things which you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses, I preach them. Everybody heard them, Timothy. Entrust these to faithful men and women who will do what? Be able to teach others also. Is he talking to us? Is he talking to us? Well, let's think about that for a minute. Because he said, now I want you to entrust the word of God, Timothy. An older saint, teaching, discipling, a younger man of God. I want you to entrust these things. What's the key word? What's that word? To faithful. Now, here's the problem. Would you all agree that the church in America is becoming weak as water? Let me tell you why. Now, listen, don't disengage because I'm going to hurt your feelings. It's a gift. 
Here's the deal. We have forgotten faithfulness in the American church. Now, if you're as old as I am or older, you remember a time when you went to church three times a week. Are you with me? Now we, go, now we don't go three times a month. The average Faith Promise family checks their kids in, Promise Kids, once every three weeks. The average Faith Promise family goes to church 1.3 times a month. Andy Stanley told me the average family at, at North Point in Atlanta goes once a month. Once a month. Now, these are the, when I say people went to church three times a week and went to church almost every week, it was America before Disney. Now, young adults don't think it was ever America before Disney. But do you know when Walt Disney went to the bank to borrow money to build a theme park, the bankers laughed him out. They said nobody would ever pay money to go to a place to have fun. Have we changed in America or what? People didn't go take vacation 60 years ago. Go look at a house that's 60 years old, little bitty closets. Why? Because people didn't have many clothes. America has changed. But, but, but back then, we went to church all the time. Sunday was the Lord's Day. You couldn't travel. No gas stations were open. Nothing. People went to church. Today, Sunday is the world's day. No longer God's day. And we wonder why God might not be blessing America like he did at one point. See, Israel sinned away the protection of God. So Sunday... It's no longer the Lord's Day. I drive past ball fields on the, during the summer. They are full on Sunday morning. Soccer, softball, baseball, are you with me? And so now we take five or six vacations a year. And if Junior's sick, we all stay home. <laughs> now, let me, listen, listen. If they ask at your house this question, if you're listening, say, I am. Are we going to church this weekend? There's a problem at your house. There's a problem. Now, can you imagine my kids waking up and saying, hey, Dad, it's Sunday. Are we going to church? No, let's go to the lake. Who's preaching? It don't matter. See, that was never an option for my kids. But now we travel. Now we have more money than we've ever had in America. We have more disposable income, and so people are at the lake. They go camping. They take vacation at spring break, at, 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 they, at fall break, spring break. Oh, no. Listen, the weekend before spring break, we had 8,000 people. The first weekend of spring break, we had 6,000. 2,000 promisers went on vacation, and 1,000 of them haven't been back since. Here's the deal. Hey, Timothy, what kind, of, what kind of people are you supposed to train? See, now we travel. Now we, now we got this. And so now the average faith promise family comes about one every three weeks. And you say, so how do we find faithful people? See, we've lost faithfulness. Does this make sense? We've lost it. We've taken the God-given gifts and talents that he gave us to build the kingdom, and we're building our own empire out in the world, and we're not using them for God. Does this make sense? Are you all out there? I hear you breathing. Aren't you ladies, aren't you look at something? Who built the foundation of Timothy's faith? I'm mindful of the sincere faith which, which is within you, which first dwelt in who? Mamma. Thank God for a praying mamma. Amen? Some of y'all are saved because of a praying mamma. Your grandmother and your mother. His father was probably a non-believer, a Greek. But his mother and grandmother were Jews that loved and believed God, and they laid a foundation in his life. Are you teaching your kids the word of God? 
Are you teaching your kids that attendance in the house of God matters? Are you teaching your kids the word of God? Are you teaching them things that are, may be important but just not as important? Is anybody out there? See, this is where we've been so far in this series. We laid a firm foundation for our faith. The second week, we framed our frustrations in our favor, the sandpaper of circumstances. Last week, we created closet space for God's grace. We talked about a prayer life. We've learned that a life that is worth living is a life that's worth working on, and a faith worth believing is a faith worth working out. So what we want to help you is add another tool for your toolbox for your renovation of your life, and that is the Word of God a personal growth plan, because a faith built in the word shelters us in the storm. Listen, it doesn't mean you won't get wet. Do you think Ashley got wet in the storm that was inflicted on her when her husband said, I'm going after something else? Yeah, she got wet. It says that, that the, the shield of faith will extinguish the flaming arrows of the devil. It didn't say the arrows would never penetrate. It said it would cut the fire off of them. In this world, Jesus said the storms are coming. And so we're all fixer-uppers, right? And so when you open your spiritual toolbox, the Bible ought to be laying right on top. Some call it discipleship. That's an old word that means different things to different people. I call it you know, personal growth, personal development, spiritual growth. It's a process, not an event. It's what you do every day, brick by brick, verse by verse. But see, your fixer-upper life and your fixer-upper faith are the project. So we work on those. Hebrews 4.12, this is what the Word of God does. The Word of God is living and it is active. And it is sharper than any two-edged sword and piercing as far as division of the soul and the spirit of joints and marrow, able to judge the thoughts, the intents of the heart. Now we read words like it's a sword, it is sharp, it cuts deep, and we think the Word of God is a weapon. Now there is a, there is a way that the Bible is a weapon. Jesus used it when he was tempted by the devil. But it is more than a weapon. It is a tool in the toolbox for personal growth. It is, it is like a drill in the hand of a craftsman, a hammer in the hand of a carpenter building a beautiful piece of furniture, a paintbrush in the hand of the artist painting a beautiful canvas with their life. It is the scalpel in the hand of a surgeon used to heal and cut out cancer. It's that it pierces the division of soul and spirit. God's word cuts to the core of who we are. It's able to judge the thoughts and the intentions of your heart. God knows you better than you know you. And what we do is God takes the word of God and cuts us open. He's doing it right now. And he puts anchor points in your life and lays a foundation. When we built this building, I was out here. They, they made these deep holes in the ground they were cylinders, and they got these huge pieces of rebar about that big around that had threaded on the top, and they were hooked on the bottom, and they put them deep, and they poured them full of concrete. And then the, the, all the big columns that hold up this building, they were set down on top of those anchor bolts so that the building would hold the wind, of the, the weight of the wind and the storms. God, if you will allow it, God will take every day and open your heart up between the thoughts and the intents of your heart, and he will anchor deep into your life. When the storms of life rage, your life will be firm, it will be strong, and you will succeed. And so it is a process, verse by verse, brick by brick, but it is a process, not an event. What we need to do is we need to be 1 Peter 2 twos. 
like newborn babes long for, desire, hunger for the pure milk of the word so that by it you may what? Grow in respect to salvation. Man, you ever been around a newborn? Every hour, what do they wake up and do what? Cry, why? They want some more what? This is what I pray over you every day. God, this weekend, would you take a hypodermic of the Holy Spirit? Or would you inject everyone who's listening to this message a deep hunger for the word of God? Are y'all with me? See, a lot of the reason some of us don't spend any time in the word is because we're not hungry for it. Well, I don't have time. No, you make time for whatever matters. Does that make sense? And so we've, we've got to do it. You've got to long for it. Jude chapter 20, Jude verse 20 said this, but you, beloved, building yourselves, who? DIY. You can do it and we can help. Building yourselves up on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Spirit. Now, in the book that we wrote for you, there's a full feature length personal growth plan. It's a, it's a renovation plan for your life. It, a personal growth plan is how I disciple my kids. It's how I disciple the staff. If I mentor someone, the first thing we do is get a growth plan and, then we, and, and I hold them accountable to that. It is a plan. It's a blueprint for how you grow closer to God. So I'm going to give you some of the disciplines that are required. You can forget the whole long one. Let me give you a short one. Are you ready? If you're ready, say I'm ready. Here's the deal. Number one, how much scripture are you going to read? Now, in the back of this book, there's a growth plan. I, I use it every single day. Every day it's in there. I mark it. I check off the day when I read that. A couple thousand of us do it. You say, that's too much. Read a verse a day. Read a chapter of Psalms and a Proverbs a day. Spend three minutes in prayer. For heaven's sake, get started. Come on. So what are you going to read? It says in Psalms, not, uh, Psalms 19, the law of the Lord is what? Restoring the soul, the testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. The precepts of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The command of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. You want to be wiser, you want to be strong, then you've got to get the word of God into you. How much are you going to read? Number two, what about studying of scripture? Maybe take a project. I don't learn more about prayer or faith or anointing, whatever the case may be. And what am I going to study this year? 2 Timothy 2.15 be diligent, which means to give 100% of your effort to present yourself what? Approved to God. Or work one who does not need to be ashamed. The reason that 80% of us do not serve on a regular basis at any of our campuses is because we feel ashamed, we feel ill-equipped because we never crack open the back of the book. Does this make sense? Are y'all okay? Accurately handling or rightly dividing the word of truth. You don't get out of boot camp if you can't take that M16 apart and put it back together blindfolded. Why? Because it is your lifeline. We Christians send people out and they still don't know how to handle their M16. Does this make sense? So let me give you another one. Memorization. How many verses are you going to memorize? One a week? One a month? One a year? If you'll set a plan, you'll probably memorize more than last year. What does it say? Psalms 119 says this, your word have I treasured or hidden in my heart that I might not sin against you. See, when you are tempted by the devil, by the world, by the flesh, if you've got the word of God in you, the spirit of God's gonna start rolling those verses. Are you with me? He's gonna start reminding you. 
He's going to remind you, do not grieve the Holy Spirit by whom you were sealed of the day of redemption. Man, you think about blowing it. Who may ascend to the hill of the Lord? He that hands are clean and whose heart is pure. Man, search me, O oh God, and know me and try me. See if there be any hurtful way in me. Oh God, your way. I mean, on and on. See, if you put it in you, the Spirit of God can bring it up. But if you had memorized it, when you need it, there's nothing there. Come on, somebody. What are you going to memorize? Let me give you another. Now, now I'm going to move in a series of a few disciplines that few of us rarely participate in. The next one is meditation. How long are you going to spend meditating? Psalms 104 says this. Let my meditation be pleasing to him. As for me, I shall be glad in the Lord. Psalms 119 says this. Oh, I love your law. It is my meditation some of the day. All of the day. Your commandments make me wiser than all my enemies. Listen, you want to learn how to win in the world? Get the word of God in you. Meditate on the word. For they are ever mine. I have more insight than all of my teachers. Why? Because your testimonies are my meditation. So what I do now is I take the Bible reading plan for the day. As I'm reading it, I'm looking for a phrase to chew on all day. A couple days ago, the four words I spent all day on was stop doubting and believe. That's what Jesus told the disciples. Stop doubting and believe all day long. Stop doubting and believe. I just meditated on that. Are you with me? Man, just, just, just meditate on it. This next one is really rare. Silence. See, I have people tell me all the time, God, I, I mean, Pastor, I just want to learn to hear God's voice. I just want to, I just want to, I want to be intimate with him. Then shut up. <laughs> See, we live in a world of noise. Now, don't you think, if you're listening, say, I am. You wake up in the morning, you cut something on. Television, radio, iPod, come on. Man, you get in the car, you immediately flip something on. You get home, you flip something on. You get at work, you flip something on. Look at people, they got earphones on all the time, don't they? Earbuds, man, they got something on. I got, man, you just watch people. We live in a day where no one can be quiet, and we wonder why no one hears the voice of God because no one is listening. Spend some time listening. Psalms 46.10, cease striving or be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. He said, man, just shut up. Stop. Be still and know that I'm God. Calgon, take me away. <laughs> Psalm 62.5 says this, my soul waits in silence for God only for my hope is in him. It's not in James Comey. It's not in Donald Trump. Son and Fox, it's not sinning. I wait for my God only, for he is the only one I can hope. Let me give you another one. Are you ready? Can you handle a couple more? Next one, jot these down. Silence. Or solitude, I'm sorry. Solitude. That means you got to be alone. When I was a kid, I always had to have a posse. Micah always had somebody around him. I said, son, can you ever go anywhere alone? No, not really, Dad. I just like to have all my friends around me. And so we, we live in a world where we're connected 24-7. Somebody sent me an email. If I hadn't answered it in four minutes, I got another one. Hey, did you, did you, did you get my email? Because you hadn't responded. Man, it's just instantly we want to be connected. Psalms 27.5 says this, For in the day of trouble, he will conceal me in his tabernacle. When Ashley walked through the valley of the shadow of death, where could she hide but under the wings of God? In the secret place of his tent, he will hide me. He will lift me up on a rock. This is the fortress of solitude for Superman. This is where the people of God get in solitude. Used to, I didn't like it. Now I crave being alone. I love solitude now. Are you with me? Because there's always people around, and, and man, I just love it. We talked about, let me give you a couple more. 
We talked about last week in prayer and how to do it. If you missed any of the messages, go back and get it. First Thessalonians 517, pray without what? Ceasing. And just an atmosphere of prayer. Let me give you everyone's favorite next. Come on. Everybody's amen in that. And I'm not talking about dieting. I'm talking about fasting to seek the Lord. Jesus said in Matthew 6, 16, but if you fast, is that what he said? He said, it, you know, some of you that might want to fast, whenever you fast, does that sound like an assumption that we all will? When you fast, don't put on a gloomy face like the hypocrites. They want everybody to see in fact, oh, they're so spiritual. Walk around, oh, oh. I can barely make it while well, I'm fasting. <sighs> now, how long you been? 10 days, well, breakfast. See, Jesus said you have your reward in full. Let me give you another one. Spiritual conversations. The old word for this is evangelism. I'm trying to change that word because it's got such baggage with it. How many people that are far from God are you going to just have a conversation with? Acts 1.8. Jesus said, you're going to receive power when the Holy Spirit's come upon you, and you shall be my witnesses, both in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, the uttermost parts of the earth. He didn't say you might be my witness. He said, if you feel like being my witnesses, he said, you are my witnesses, didn't he? Then who are you going to share your faith with? I mean, how many times do you go, once a week, once a month, who are you going to do? Let me give another one. Serving. How often are you going to serve? Can I tell you about 15 to 20% of the people that attend here serve faithfully? They get more out of it than anybody else. Because the spiritual gift is a tool in your toolbox to grow personally. Anybody that serves always gets more out of it than people that don't. See, this message I'm giving you is what I call secondhand truth. It's like a mother bird who goes out and she finds a what? A worm. She eats the worm. She flies back to the nest. And what does she do? She pukes that word up into the mouth of the baby birds. That's what preaching is, puking up the word. Isn't that a lovely visual? <laughs> Doesn't this make you want to come every day? And so, but, but it's a secondary, it's secondary truth. See, I've been with God. God has injected this message into my heart. I prayed it in. I'm preaching it out. With everything God will give me, I get more out of it than you do. You know what the key is? Get your own worm. Get your own word. You want to grow? Man, get your word every day. God has a specific word for me. And get it, serve. The people that are actually doing it get more than everybody else. 1 Peter 4.10 says this, as each one has received a special or spiritual gift. If you're born again, you got one. Use it, employ it in serving one another. So good stewards, managers of the gifts that God gave you of the manifold grace of God. The problem is many of us are taking our spiritual gift and are employing it in the world, not in the kingdom. Some of us have a great gift with kids. We don't use it in the church. We're coaches of ball teams outside of the church. Nothing wrong with coaching a ball team. But what about promise kids here? What about the 2,000 students that come every month here? Are y'all with me? What about taking that gift that God gave you instead of using it out in the world? Use it in the kingdom. Many of us taking all these gifts God's given us. We're building great businesses and great all this stuff out there. But we're not using it and serving one another, washing each other's feet of the manifold grace of God. This James 1.22 it. Brothers, prove yourself to be what? Doers of the word and not merely who delude themselves. The word delude is a mathematical term. It means to miscalculate. Today we believe faithfulness is coming every three weeks to church. 
Does this make sense? Are y'all, are y'all listening? Now let me let me just let me let me let me try to bring this home because man, I've I have slung it at you. I was praying this week. It was a terrible week. This is one of the worst. And you know, that's that's not normal for me, right? I told you a couple months ago that my dad was ill and we moved into our house. Two weeks ago, he took a real serious turn for the worse, and the home health care nurse said, you need to take him, so I took him to Park West. I thought he was going to die, ride a little bit. In consultation with the nurses and the doctors, they said, listen, you can't take your dad home. He requires 24-hour help. I said, we really want to take him home, but we can't be there 24 hours a day. And so we, so we moved him to, uh, to Shannondale. It's been a great transition. But, but my wife and my daughter... Because, see, I'm, this is going to be a shock, but I'm not a real good caregiver. <laughs> Isn't that a shock? I don't counsel because it takes me two minutes of hearing your problem to tell you what it is. And people want to talk an hour. I don't need to listen an hour. If you shut up, I'll tell you what the problem is, how to fix it. <laughs> it's called biblical counseling. That's what I do. Nobody wants it, so I quit doing it. No lie, so I don't have a lot of compassion. It, this is shock, I know. And so my wife and my daughter are at the hospital, and they said, you know, Dad, you got to be nicer to Grandpa. And I wanted to say, well, he was never nice to me, so why do I need to? Now, listen, you need to, you need to, you know, you need to be nice to your kids because <laughs> they're going to change your diapers. So, and so, I, I said, so I'm struggling with that. So I, I have a quiet time a couple of days ago. I'm my time with the Lord. And I said, Lord, I need an Isaiah 40, 31 morning. Isaiah 41 says, those that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings of eagles. They shall run and not grow. They shall walk. I said, God, I just need an Isaiah 40, 31 morning. I need to experience you. I don't have any more patience. I don't have any more grace. I don't have any more love to give out. And I got to give it out all that to the hospital. Today. I missed a trip to India teaching a bunch of church planters and seminary graduates that we help sponsor and support at Faith Promise and how to cancel that trip. And I don't like my agenda bothered. I mean, I don't. I like my routine, and I don't like it. And so now I'm at the hospital every day, and I'm supposed to be nice, and I'm not. And, and I, so I'm just telling God, God, I, I, I need some grace today for Grandpa, for my dad. I need some, I need some mercy because, man, I'm still not sure if he's a believer and we're having some conversations, but I need to have some grace today. And my wife and daughter are loving on him, and he's warming up to that kind of love. And, and so I'm just, I'm just, man, I'm with God. God, I'm so necessary. God, I, I'm just going to wait this morning. I'm just going to be in silence and solitude here because, God, I'm, I'm absolutely empty. The world sucked every bit of my battery dry. And if you don't feel me this morning, I'm going to be a horse's butt all day long today. Listen, God knows. Go ahead and tell him. If your horse's butt, you're not going to shock God. He knows. Are you with me? And so horse's butt, it's a gift for me. Maybe it's not yours. And so I'm, and the, I, as God is my witness, listen, so I'm sitting there just literally on my back deck, man, with all I am seeking God. And then the thought hit me, what did the promisers do? And it stopped. said, God, you know that most people that attend don't have a consistent quiet time. They're not in the word of God every day. God, what do they do when they have a horrible week like I've had? What do they do when the bottom falls out? What do they do when when they have an Ashley experience? What do they do? And then it hit me like a ton of bricks. Oh, dear God, that's why they fall away. That's why they step in stupid. That's why guys can't get off pornography. 
That's why people are committing adultery on their spouse. That's why Ashley's husband was chasing a younger skirt with his wife at home and his three little babies. I got it. That's why they do it, because their batteries are dry. They don't know how to connect with heaven. Dear God, that's why they blow it. God, this weekend, when I preach this message, would you take a holy hypodermic and would you inject into every promiser a holy hunger for the word of God? A holy hunger to pray, a holy hunger to have our batteries recharged, a holy hunger, because see, you want to be godly or you wouldn't be here. You're not here because you didn't have anything else to do for an hour this Sunday morning. Then you're here because you want to hear from heaven. Well, you're hearing from heaven. And it's an opportunity to put a tool in your toolbox and begin getting a growth plan and get started and moving. You say, I don't have any tools. Do what I do. Borrow one. And I rarely give them back. I have a battery charger on my house. It's Jeff Rose. I've had it for, for 15 years. Now, I didn't steal it. Every time I see it, that's Jeff Rose's power battery charger. It's not mine, it's his. Am I giving it back? No, but it's his. <laughs> he called me one day and said, can I visit my battery charger because my battery's dead? I said, you really should get another one. And <laughs> so, man, borrow a tool and don't give it back. Borrow a growth plan that I wrote for you. Borrow the word of God and don't give it back. Get in your prayer closet. Get hungry for the holiness of God. Get rid of the taste for the world. Get a taste for the holiness of God. Whoa, my soul. Somebody give him some praise in the house this weekend. My mercy. Woo. Now, see, some of you can't build this relationship because all you have is a religion. You come to church because you get to check a box. I'm going to heaven because I did penance. I went to church once a month. Won't work. It's a relationship. So if you're ready to connect with heaven, if you're ready for a relationship with Jesus that is raw and real, that you can lay it out before God like I do, I mean, you can experience him and grow in that. And when the winds, of, then the winds howl, you built yourself on the word of God and you will stand in the storm. Then with every head bowed, every eye closed, we're going to pray this prayer out loud with you. If you're ready to begin a relationship with Jesus, say, dear Jesus, I know I've sinned and we're far apart. Forgive me. Come into my heart. Be my Lord, boss. Charge my batteries. Fill my toolbox. Let me walk with you forever in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, has it been good to be in the house of God this weekend? Wow. Wow. Now listen, next weekend is Father's Day, and I'm going to be nice. So many men came up to me after Michelle did the Mother's Day, and they said, wasn't that sweet? Wasn't she so loving? Could you do that? So I'm going to try. We begin a series next weekend called Holy Land. About 80% of all the messages were shot in, in Israel. And so next weekend, the, the first two-thirds of the message was shot in the Valley of Elah where David and Goliath fought. And we're going to talk about how dads can be giant killers. It's going to be an unbelievable weekend. Amen? Listen, get started. If you don't do anything spiritual, say, Chris, I'm a brand new. I've never done anything. Read one verse. Pray for two minutes. Read one verse. Pray for two minutes. A psalm, a Proverbs. Just read one. 
And then what will happen is that two minutes will be three. You'll say, it's not bad. You say, I don't know how to pray. Then just set a chair up like this right here. Say, hey, God, it's new for me. Would you help me? Because I'm sort of, I'm really, I'm clueless. So I believe you're there. I believe you're with me. But I just want to, I just want to, I just want to, I want to walk with you. I want to, I want to talk with you. So God, would you, would you help me today? Would you help me? Would you sort of charge my battery and help me? Good, good. Love you. Man, I'll see you tomorrow. That's more than 75% of our church does. That's more. And that'll be so good, you'll have to spend four or five minutes the next day. And then you'll get, you'll get jealous of your time with God. I love it. It's my, I love it. Man, it, it's, listen, it, it's not an obligation. It's an opportunity. So this message is an opportunity. Take it, do it, like it, lump it, or leave it. It's up to y'all. Amen? I love you. You're going to have a great week. See you guys next weekend.